Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. It's an interesting market day. We're going to talk a lot of outside market influences as well as some liquid gold that is falling from the sky for those folks in southwest Kansas, the southwest plains. Some of the best rains they've seen since July of last year. Uh, there's issues. What's going on with the Black Sea, Brazil's crops, and how are they looking? Let's also talk about the where the market has really seemed to be focused on right now. Pretty much, do they already got this crop already in the ground for corn and beans? We'll also take a look at some issues. That are maybe not too bad, though, on the livestock side with some positive numbers as we look what's in the storage for them. And what's this? Rumors feedlots may have extra corn. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more today as Arlen Suderman joins us. He is with Stonex. And Arlen, let's first of all talk about this liquid gold that is falling for some of our wheat producers. Hopefully it gives them the help they need and that it's not too little too late. Yeah, absolutely. And as the forecaster are calling for his rains, they've been calling for his rains for about a month and they just never would verify. So the skepticism was certainly high. But it has finally happened. We had some good rains across parts of the southwestern plains. Not every place got them, but uh, we saw some one to two inch total, sometimes even over two inches that fell in parts of the dry southwestern plains. And it's not over yet. More rain coming with this system. And then another system a few days behind it expected to just kind of follow the same path and do the same thing. And so that's the best rains that they've seen since July Many areas of the southwestern plains had not seen a half-inch rain since July and had seen virtually very little precipitation at all since July, maybe a little bit in September, uh, some showers, but uh, not much at all. So it's really too late for much of the wheat in the Texas panhandle, uh, much of Oklahoma, and even parts of southwest Kansas. Uh, We're seeing high abandonment rates already. Um, so it's too late to bring back wheat that never came up or that just simply is too thin. In fact, some of that wheat that's marginal, these rains may actually encourage destruction of that wheat so they can put in a spring row crop. So I do anticipate that if, in fact, we do see a turnaround of fortunes here, that we will see an expansion of, of acres for grain sorghum, maybe some soybeans, some corn, depending on the area, depending on the local needs. Um, but uh, it's always welcome to see a drought start to get broke. And it does give them another option, like you said, should they have to abandon this wheat crop, at least hopefully they can get some sort of spring crop in the ground. Yeah, absolutely. When it rains in the western plains, you plant a crop. And what crop you plant depends on what time of year it is. And so this time of year, getting the rains really does raise hopes for some spring crops in that area, trying to generate some income. And one of the other areas that we're seeing in the high plains is the fact that uh, water is very limited in many areas as well for irrigation. So even where they have irrigation, a lot of those areas are looking at lower water input type crops like grain sorghum instead of corn. And so I do think we're going to see some shift in, in acreage between the crops out in that region. All right, look at that. I mean, the market's already said focusing on new crop corn and bean fundamentals. How does that tie into the trade right now? Yeah, we did see a little bit of a bounce in new crop soybeans at times today, which was kind of some unwinding of spreads. But really what the focus has been has been the expectation that uh, we're going to get the crops in the ground. 
Uh, the planting window looks to open up about week two of the forecast or so, warm up and dry out from west to east, it looks like. And that's going to allow some rapid planting of the crops. And the general thinking is that uh, uh, with an El Nino summer that we should have above trend yields as well. Now, um, we've got to watch those acres in the northwestern Midwest, especially in the Dakotas and Minnesota along the Red River Valley. If we continue to get rains in that area, and we've still got some snow in the ground in some of that area as well, you know, it's not a given that we're not going to have prevent plant acres in that area, but there's some optimism that we will be able to dry those areas out and get the crops planted. But that's going to be the primary area where it looks like we're going to need to be watching for potentially not getting crops planted. What are you seeing right now with Brazil as their crop, and how is things looking as we get closer to, to harvest for them? Yeah, I talked to one of our people from Brazil this morning, and uh, he's in Mato Grosso de Sul, so that's just south of Mato Grosso, which is the primary producer of both soybeans and of corn, especially safrina corn, the second crop corn, or another name for it is winter corn, and that's important. Their winters are much milder than what ours are, obviously, so they usually don't see a freeze, but it can happen. And so as, as I was talking to him, he called me to talk about the Midwest planting prospects and what I saw, whether I saw any problems. So I turned the corner and said, okay, what about Brazil corn? He said, it just looks good. I don't see any problems. He said, if there's going to be a problem, it would be if we were to get a freeze come in here. Usually if those are going to happen, it'll happen in like the month of May. And he said the crop was planted so late this year that the corn in his area is only about 8 or 10 inches tall in some cases. So it's very vulnerable to a freeze if that were to happen here in the weeks ahead. But he says right now there's no sign of it, no, no threats immediately on the forecast. The rains are continuing to fall. They're not seeing an end to the rainy season yet. And so they're currently looking at a big corn crop. Uh, which I think the market's looking forward to as well. What are your thoughts before we had to break on the, on the stronger crush we've seen? Yeah, overall, we, you know, we had a lot of problems through the winter with weather, creating some problems with logistics, but those have cleared up now, and we're seeing crush get back and reflect the profitable levels that we have for soybeans. And I think as we start getting renewable diesel things, uh, problems cured and figured out, that we're going to see a much bigger jump in that crush. All right. Well, thanks, Arlen. Stick around. We've got more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to the Fontenelle Feature. I'm Joe Gangwish, FSR with Fontenelle Hybrids. We're going to visit with Bob Wiseman. He's a Fontenelle Hybrids dealer in the Hershey, Nebraska area. So, Bob, tell us what you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle Hybrids. I would say it's the relationships that we've built with our FSRs and agronomy guys. Just the knowledge that's out there and any questions, people are readily available to answer and, and help you out. And being a dealer for Fontenelle, what's been the most rewarding aspect for you? Finding the products that fit a producer's needs and watching them succeed. And what makes Fontenelle stand out among other local seed brands? I would say it's probably our large selection of quality hybrids to fit all maturities and then the abundance of varieties with and without traits to fit everybody's needs. 
For more about us, you can visit Bob Wiseman there in the Hershey area, any of our Fontenelle dealers across the state of Nebraska, or go to Fontenelle.com. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman with Stonex as we broadcast from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. So a little curious, and this also came from, from a listener of this program, Arlen, is what is going on and continues to go on with banks as we see another banking issue kind of rise yesterday? Yeah, I would say this. Zero interest rates are not good for the economy, and we've had zero interest rates essentially now for too many years. And zero interest rates or near zero interest rates tend to lead to some bad decisions, bad management decisions, and that includes at the banks. Um, if you look at the banks that have been in the headlines, a lot of them have had some significant uh, bad management decisions as we learn more about them, leaving themselves unprotected for when those interest rates start going higher. And when the interest rates start going higher, that's when you start exposing the problems. As I've said before, I think on this program, the, high, the increase in interest rates didn't cause the banking problems with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. It exposed them, and now we're looking at First Republic Bank. But here's another factor in here. Because of some of the banking issues, they have not been raising the interest rates that they pay to depositors. They're still very, very low relative to what you can get in outside market. So you look at what a lot of people, how they're approaching this, they're saying, okay, I I do banking at a regional bank. These have been regional banks that have had problems. So they start getting nervous and they think, you know, the, the regional bank is only paying me a fraction of a percent interest rate. Um, and I read the headlines about regional banks, and so I think maybe I ought to just go somewhere else where I can get a higher rate of return. That's not necessarily true that they need to be doing so, but that's the the perception, and perception is reality if you're a person who is concerned about your money and your money being at risk. And so that's starting to cause people to pull money out of the regional banks, to take their money elsewhere, to put into places that are able to pay higher rate of return, 4 or 5% return, where the benchmark uh, rate is for the Federal Reserve right now, up getting close to that 5% to anticipate after the next rate hike next week. And so overall, that's kind of what's drawing down the balance sheets of some of these banks and creating some problems, and I anticipate there will probably be more problems ahead. The government thus far has covered depositors. That's good for the depositors. It's not in the short run. It's not necessarily good for us long term um, because it is kind of gives the freedom to some of these bank boards to continue making risky decisions because they assume that the government will backstop them if they happen to go south. Let's switch gears now and go over to the uh, livestock side, Arlen. And you were kind of talking about. Um, feedlots might have some extra grain available. And that kind of leads back to this cattle on feed report from a week ago and where we're at numbers moving forward. Yeah, as we look at where the feeder cattle market is at, we look at where the cash basis is out in the western high plains feedlot belt for what you have to pay for corn. Uh, we look at the fat cattle market, and you put all those ingredients together, and it's raising a lot of concerns among people who feed cattle. And so what we're seeing is a lot of people who who pay feedlots to feed cattle for them are saying, I don't know that I want to take the risk. 
and so they're backing away from placing cattle in the feedlots. And that's one way of rationing demand in the areas where feed is tight and starting to weaken basis in that area, moving those cattle further north and east where there still is corn. So that would be eastern Nebraska, Iowa, and places like that where they still are able to get a hold of corn easier than what they are maybe in western Nebraska, western Kansas, and especially down in Oklahoma or Texas at Panhandle areas. Um, so we are seeing some of that movement and, and even feedlots trying to unload some corn that they had previously bought, expecting that they would have have cattle. But overall, if we look at the cold storage report that came out yesterday, it showed tightening supplies of cattle are tightening the amount of meat in the freezer. And uh, we have certainly seen that play out this year much quicker than what we thought otherwise. In fact, by the end of this year, we expect to see beef production 10% below year-ago levels um, as we continue to see that contraction hold. And uh, you look at the last cattle on feed report, it showed that we're really still not even even really having a significant downtick in the availability of heifers in the feedlot either. So we're not rebuilding the cow herd. If anything, we've got places where the weather concerns have been continuing to see us contract. And so we haven't seen the worst of this yet in cattle. On the other hand, pork supplies are abundant and we have not yet got a pricing structure that will move the consumer from higher priced beef to lower priced pork yet. Great conversation as always, Arlen. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com or over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. Well, thanks so much, Arlen Suderman, joining us today. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell, being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.